Well, we've been in a series about freedom and heading through the book of Galatians talking about freedom. And this is, we're coming to the end of it. We got the last chunk of verses of Galatians today. So we've seen, it's been just so powerful going through. Don't you guys think, hasn't it been fun to go through the book together? We've had the devotionals and the and inserts. There's another one today that you can just follow along during the week. It's just been wonderful to grow in freedom together. We've seen about you know, how Paul is committed to the truth of the gospel and how the true gospel sets us free. Jesus plus nothing is all that we need for salvation. We saw how, you know, the message is derived straight from God and it, how it sets us free from the burden of the law. We saw um, in chapter 4 how we have the freedom of sons and daughters of God, heirs of the kingdom, to, that we walk around in, uh, in this world like children in our Father's kingdom and the freedom that is in that. We talked about how freedom is not just being set free from something, but set free for something. There's a place that we're going, a mission that we're on. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit that produce freedom in our lives, how the Holy Spirit um, gives us this whole package of things that all go together and um, release freedom in us and others around us. And we talked about not giving up and the freedom that there is in perseverance. So today, the last kind of section is a little bit of a recap. Paul is taking the chance at the end of his letter to go hit all the really important points one more time. And we're going to, it's just a really good way to like close the book. And we'll be able to see a lot of the things we've already talked about and a couple of new things as he, uh, as he just recaps it for us at the end here. So let me... Um, let me pray, and then we'll be reading from Galatians 6, 11 through 18, if you want to go ahead and start turning that way. We're going to be seeing there how Paul's describing a picture of a whole life lived in the Holy Spirit, lived by the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's not a life of like fractured parts. It's a life of wholeness, a life of integrity, and that comes through the Spirit. So let's pray and just invite God to be with us in all that we're all that we're talking about today. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, breath of God, would you breathe in me the words that you want to say and would you would you just prepare hearts that when that when your spark is there and the, the breath of life that you give, that hearts would come alive and burst into flame today. God, we invite you into everything that we're doing, and we don't want to talk about you like you're somewhere else. It's not theory. We, we acknowledge that you're here with us, and we want to honor you by everything we talk about as we want to learn about you and grow into the full inheritance that you have for us. Thank you, God. We love you. You're so good to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just read, begin by reading our passage for today. Again, Galatians 6, 11 through 18. And this is, remember, the Apostle Paul, and this is kind of his own personal recap of his letter. So... Verse 11 says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. 
Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. But not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. But may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. All right, so as, as Paul is, uh, is uh, taking his own pen in hand, um, it might be kind of like, you might feel like it's a weird way to start this whole uh, section with like talking about how big his handwriting is, but um, <laughs> this is introducing his personal greeting, okay? Paul, he wrote his letters through scribes, so someone else had written down all the things that he said, and that was the rest of the later, but at this point, he's like making special emphasis, and he is taking uh, his own, the pen in his own hand to finish the letter. Um, the reason that it was so big, it we believe that uh, Paul's eyesight was failing. If you remember from verse 4, he talks about how he had an illness when he was actually in Galatia, starting the church there, and how the people there loved him so much that they would have been willing to tear out their very eyes and give them to him. So it's just a clue his eyesight was failing. You know, he's just a real guy, and so that's why he had to write real big when he wanted to write with them. You know, he's like, just please excuse me, but I have some things I want to say to you, and that's why it's so big. Um, if, you, uh, if you're into graphic design, you didn't know that the Bible talked about font sizes and stuff like that, but it does. It's right there. So large letters in his own hand. Um, and just like, we could just blow past that, but it's important to think of the Bible in like a personal way like that. This is a letter that was written by a real person to real people that he cared about. And there's a there's like a personal caring in that. He's like hearkening back to their history together. He's like, yeah, you know, you know about me in my eyes, but listen, I have some things to say to you. And like, it's amazing that the Bible is that personal. And it's even still, like God's heart for us personally is like shining through there. And I love how he left the personal details. Like Paul says at the end too, don't cause me trouble anymore because I have the marks of Jesus on my body. You know, you could almost hear like, uh, uh, just the actual guy saying that, like an experienced guy that was like, listen, here's how it is. So I don't know. I just love that personal touch. And I, I just felt like that was important to share for some of you. Like the Bible is personal. And um, just like Paul cared for the, the actual people in Galatia, he wasn't just writing a theory letter. You know, he's writing this to actual people that he loved. And that's how God addresses the letters to us as well. So anyway, Paul is introducing his own... He's like, he's going to tie it all together and hit all the points again. And the picture that he's about to paint is a picture of a life of freedom and wholeness lived in the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. So it's interesting, though, because as you read this, you might, it's hard to maybe see like how he's talking about freedom because the stuff that he's saying. Is, a, is like a little hard to swallow, you know? He's like, well, 
He's talking about being persecuted for the cross of Christ. That doesn't sound fun. Um, He's talking about crucifixion and circumcision. And there's a lot of things like, it's not like, you know, a freedom manifesto. But what I wanted to see, what I wanted us to see in it is the ways that, like, the things that he's sharing are super important for us to walk in freedom. And the first thing he's saying is that you can tell that, so we've talked through the whole book that there's been a group of people, you know, that came to Galatia after Paul and they tried to introduce Jesus plus something as the way to salvation. And the something was Jewish ceremonial loss. They were trying to make him be circumcised as a way like in to like the family of God and kingdom. And Paul through the whole thing has been saying, no, Jesus is all that you need for salvation, faith in Jesus. And so he's saying now that like one of the ways you can identify people that are trying to lead you into bondage and aren't teaching the true gospel is that they're always just trying to make a good impression. They're not willing to suffer persecution to tell you the real message. Um, Maybe you've noticed in your life that if you have to tell somebody the hard truth about something, they don't usually like it, Um, at least not right away. Right? Am I the only one? And maybe if you've never uh, told somebody the hard truth about anything, there's something that God would have you work on in that, too. But um, he's saying that a mark of somebody that's leading you into bondage is that they're just trying to make a good impression. Paul's talking about the truth above and before anything else. And it, it can, it's easy for us to kind of lose this in our context because, like, how many of you have ever been persecuted for the cross? I mean, the cross itself is, like, on jewelry everywhere. Like, people have no idea about Jesus or wearing the cross because that's what their favorite rapper is doing or whatever, you know, and... It's not, the cross is like not offensive now, it doesn't seem like. But uh, the message of the cross, it still is. And it still is possible that we could be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The, um, so what Paul's talking about is the offense of the cross. And so like why does, why was the cross bringing persecution? Like why were they afraid that if they just spoke of Jesus that it would it caused them to be persecuted. Well, the, if you're just speaking on the cross of Christ, it's an offense to everyone. It's an offense to sinners because it says, hey, the things that you've done, the ways you've fallen short of God are so bad that somebody had to come and die to pay the penalty for your wrong actions. Nobody wants to hear that. It's not a popular message. Um, nobody wants to feel like they're a murderer in any way, you know? That's like, that sounds very negative and not, not happy. But that's, the, that's part of the gospel. The gospel is also an offense to people that already believe they're doing pretty good. Like, oh, I'm a good person. Aren't there like multiple ways to heaven, to Jesus? People that already think that their good deeds are having something to do with their salvation are offended by the gospel. Because we're saying, hey, it's the cross of Christ alone. Nothing that you did is getting you the salvation that you so desperately need. So it's easy for us to 
kind of like sugarcoat both of those parts and give people something less than the, like the true gospel. Because it doesn't seem in our heads like that's going to work. Like that doesn't sound like something that's going to invite people in. And of course, there's a danger that we could fall into there about being an offense on purpose, okay? Be- just because the cross is an offense doesn't mean that offense is the cross. Do you guys get what I'm saying? There's no need to put extra barriers up in front of people. Um, you know, I, maybe you've even heard that argument. It's like, well, hey, the cross is offensive, so I'm just going to be offensive and people should get used to it because that's the cross. No. The message itself is all the offense we need. We don't need any other offense to be put on there, okay? It's like, uh, you know, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not defined by what you guys think of me, so I could just as easily, like, give this message to you, like, wearing, like, torn sweatpants and the stuff that I wear around the house. Um, And, I mean, I don't think that would be wrong, but, like, some people would come in here and be offended by that. So, I don't do that because I don't want to put any barriers between you and the gospel, you know? Some people are already offended by the vineyard because we don't wear suits and stuff, you know? But that's a different story, you know? It's like, I will come in here, I will gladly put on the vineyard uniform, I'll wear jeans and a button-up that's untucked, I'll do it, you know, because (laughs) I want you guys to hear the gospel without distraction. It's that important. So we're not talking about building unnecessary offense, you know, before anybody. You know, we're not, we don't need to be offensive on purpose, just need to tell people the truth. Um, The, the, um, and it's, it's important to talk about the whole truth. We want to sell people the gospel based on the blessings of it. And we need to talk about the blessings of Jesus, like the healing on the streets. Like, we have to talk about that stuff. We'll talk about boasting in the cross of Christ later because that's all we're supposed to boast in. Like, we have to talk about the blessings. But we really need to not um, make the church a place where blessings are all we can talk about. It, it really has to happen where the church has to be a place where we can be the real thing and not worry what people are thinking about us. And all too often it's the opposite. People come into church very much managing everybody's impression of them and their spirituality and I mean I hope it begins with me, you know, that I can you know, and it begins with each of you where you're saying, hey, I don't have it all together but I'm following Jesus and sometimes I go through things that are really rough, you know, and sometimes I'm not even okay with the fact that the gospel is all about Jesus' work and nothing about mine, you know. I want to pick it back up and earn God's love, you know? Sometimes I do. But boy, is that a heavy burden to bear. So, so it's about giving people the actual gospel, both the hard parts to say and the easy parts. And so the cross can be an offense like that. It kind of offends our sensibilities, you know? We, we value, we can start to value, like, morality so much and like the things Jesus taught about moral rules are are vital but salvation like precedes morality all the time you know and it doesn't you know it doesn't make any difference to change how somebody's living if the heart on the inside is not changed by the true gospel I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there I'll come back to that so the cross 
It's like, okay, so where is the, where's the freedom in the offense of the cross? I think we can start to see in, in what he says about these people and their boasting. Um, another way that you can tell that somebody's not teaching you the true gospel is if they're boasting in anything other than Jesus and his work his redemptive work on the cross and being expressed in our lives through love. The, the false teachers, and this is said, like he's like, they don't even obey the whole law themselves, but they just want you to get circumcised so they can boast about having you as followers. Have you guys noticed that where there's the more and more focus on keeping all the rules, that opens the door to more and more hypocrisy? It's not that the rules are bad, it's just that the focus is off, you know? The Bible says that pride comes before a fall, and, it's, and that makes total sense. That's the only thing that could come before a fall, because you have to lift yourself up before you have somewhere to fall down from. So if you're taking pride in, in morality, if you're taking pride in following the rules, that opens the door for people to see you as a hypocrite because it's a boasting in something other than Jesus. We can easily take, we can easily boast in our own achievements, our own having it together. But any, any boasting like that just lifts you up and sets you up for a fall. So the freedom in acknowledging the offense of the cross, like, hey, I was a mess. There was nothing good in me. But Jesus came and changed my life, recreated me on the inside. There's no room for lifting ourselves up that we could, nothing to fall down from there. It's, that's going low. If you go as low as you can go, there's, you, there's nowhere to fall. It's like the humility of acknowledging the cross in it, and in all its offense that I, was, that I was nothing, but that Jesus is everything. There's freedom for us in that. You don't have to you don't have to be anything except Jesus' child. The, um, what that produces, uh, what that produces in us, that, I, that full identification with the cross of Christ is, um, Hold on one second. Let's talk about boasting one more time for a second. Uh, I'll just, the, the church just really needs Christians that won't boast in anything other than Christ right now. It's easy to put our faith in other things and, um, and look to anything else, but anything else, nothing else is firm ground under our feet that we can stand on. Anything else could fall away and set us up for a fall. This is a time more than ever for us to rest only on the goodness of Jesus and his work expressed through the cross and being expressed in our lives through faith. It's the only thing that we can like truly rejoice in, you know. And it's always that kind of like the right kind of boasting, boasting in the cross is always like, it's always Jesus-centered. It's always others-centered. Like when Evan was sharing about the healing on the street story, it didn't even mention who prayed for the people that got healed. It doesn't matter. Jesus did it. 
And that's what boasting in the cross looks like. Okay, so what happens when you only boast in the cross of Christ? Listen to what Paul says about this in verse 14. He's like, may I never boast. That's something we could just all use a refresher on from time to time. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, you just will never see that in the world. People boast about all sorts of every other thing, from the evil all the way to just the irrelevant. Anyway, may I never boast. You guys, this boasting thing is important. Like, I keep, like, wanting to move on, but, like, it's really important, okay? May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and listen to this, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Um, that's one of those Bible phrases you could easily read once and be like, I don't really know what that means. And if it, it's, it's something that we can struggle with too because if we're just reading the passage, like, all right, I'm, I'm supposed to read this passage because it's in my devotional or whatever you're more likely to get to something that you don't know what it means and just go ahead and then read the next verse. But let's stop and talk about what does it mean to be dead to the world? The world is crucified to me and I to the world. That's a super vivid picture. It's a picture of like a slow, painful death of the things that we used to care about. Are you guys all right with that? Being in the Bible, the world crucified to you and you to the world. Because all those things, you know, are the things that we used, to, we used to boast in or used to put our trust in. And it's like they go through, as we, as we put our hope only in Jesus and only in the cross, we receive the freedom of those things being purged out of our lives gradually. Um, what happens when... Uh, when you start to live like that, is you start to look different. Um, when you're dead to the world, uh, people don't know how to deal with you. And maybe you've begun to experience that. They, they don't know how to, like, it's just so, it's so different. They don't have, like, a box they can put you in anymore. And that's okay. The reason why is that only, it's only once you're free from the burden of people's opinion about you, that you can actually love them. Let me, I'm just going to say that one again. It's only when you're free from the burden of someone's opinion about you that you can actually love them. Maybe you've seen a relationship play out where one person is just so desperate for the other person's approval all the time and that everything they do is like based on getting that person to like them. I mean, you guys have probably seen that play out. It's happening in dysfunctional relationships now all over the world, I'm sure. But that, you know, that isn't, that isn't love. It's selfishness, or at best, codependency. The, the ability for us to truly love comes when we rest in who we know we are. That's why that's how Jesus was able to do it. Jesus was 100% free from caring about the opinion of anyone else about him. Do you guys know that? 
And it wasn't because he didn't care about people, because he cared about people more than anyone else ever has. It was that he was so firmly rooted in his identity, he knew what his father said about him. His father revealed his identity to him, and he continued to reinforce that by escaping into quiet places and being silent before God, letting him speak words of life and blessing over him. And if we want to love people like Jesus loved people, that's what we need to do also. You know, it sounds like it's just a, it's easy to lofty thing, say, oh, Jesus was so great, like he was so firmly rooted. But what this is saying is like in, in Jesus' cross, in the true gospel, we're identified with him. We become the brothers of Jesus. And this same thing is our inheritance. This confidence about who we are belongs to us as well. We can know deeply, like Jesus did, who we are and be free in that to love people without caring what they think about us. So no one, that you're, no one whose approval you're trying to gain can you ever really love. The people that you really love are people who you're able to rest in the fact that they already love you, Right? And that's how we can be with Jesus. And that's kind of that's what it means to be dead to the world. So you could read it and be like, whoa, I don't know, but that's freedom. Being dead to people's opinions about you is freedom. And it's so hard. It's so easy to pick them back up. But it's it is our inheritance. I'm I'm telling you guys that today. It is our inheritance to be free from the burden of managing everybody's perception of you all the time. The one who actually knows the one who actually knows who you are has already spoken it. Right? It's done. So the flip side of being dead to the world and people not knowing what to do with you is that the world also has no claim on you. The things that once dragged you down and distracted you have no right and no power and authority in your life. Do you guys believe that? Maybe you've even noticed it, that like some of the stuff that used to fill the gap in your soul just doesn't do it anymore. Like if you go back to it, you're like, wow, that that did nothing for me. Well, that means Jesus is at work in your heart. That's the process of being crucified to the world and it to you. And there can be like a feeling of loss in that, but the freedom that comes on the other side of it, which we're just about to talk about, is what makes that all worth it. So there's freedom in just the offense of the cross, making ourselves low and making Jesus high. There's freedom in being just crucified to the world. And even more so, here's, a, here's like the Paul's little bombshell that he drops at the end. Um, in verse 15, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, which basically like no superficial thing is what he's saying, means anything. What counts is a new creation. So I said that Paul was like recapping, but here he just launches in a brand new term that hasn't been used in the whole rest of Galatians, new creation. And that is an amazing concept. He's not talking about just like a, a slow, like, incremental, I'm going to get a little bit better and I'm going to struggle for every step. He's talking about a 
fundamental thing that happens inside you, a new creation of God. That, and that is the other side of the message of the cross. If you're crucified with Christ on the cross, you need someone to recreate you brand new, a new life. And that's what Jesus is saying he's going to do. The the parallel here, which is like, okay, a new creation, well, what does that mean? Paul had just used in chapter 5 exactly the same construction, but he just finished it differently. So here we saw, you know, verse 15. But if you look over in chapter 5, verse 6, it's almost the same. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So that's a picture of what a life as a new creation looks like. It looks like faith expressing itself through love. And faith expressing itself through love, that's what new creations do. And only they can do it. The... The beauty of it is the fact that you can, like things that you were totally incapable of come out of you by accident. <laughs> Does, have you guys ever had that happen? When you spend time with God and hear him affirm your identity, it doesn't feel like anything is happening. But then... This is the picture that God gave me of this a while. It's like, those times are like, if you're a sponge, and you like, like put, it's like dunking yourself in water. So then when like a hard time comes, and you get squeezed, the water of life is what comes out of you in a new creation. And that can only, that only happens in a miracle. We know, I think, instinctively, that that stuff is not inside us naturally. It only comes as a new creation. And, and it expresses itself as love to people that are in difficult times. It's, uh, I'm easily distracted. I just don't fight it anymore. I could, have, <laughs> I could have tried to say like a sentence while that was happening, but it, who knows what would have been in that one, so... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yep, it could have been. It could have been water of life. Maybe I should have just said it. But um, the if you see stuff like that happening around you, you can know that that's Jesus working in you, and there's freedom in that. You can't. Um, you just you can't squeeze like. No matter how hard you squeeze yourself, you can't not squeeze out the good stuff unless Jesus puts it in you. So that's something about, that's like a, a promise of the gospel, that Jesus is remaking us on the inside. And that's part of the cross, the work of the cross too, because Jesus didn't just die, right? Like the message of the cross is not just that Jesus died and stayed dead, but he actually was raised to life so that we would be raised into life as well. New creations with them. To like further help ex- like understand this new creation concept that 
Paul just suddenly introduces at the end here. You can look at one of his other letters. Maybe some of you already know where I'm headed. But in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul uses the same phrase. It's the only other place where he does. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You hear the past tense in that? Okay, so this part is, uh, it can be hard to wrap your brain around, but it's really important for you to know that there's not like a duality or like a division in the core of who you are. Right? There is, like, yes, we struggle, we have this flesh, this body, you know, but this is no longer our identity. Our true identity, as we accept through faith the sacrifice of Christ, is fundamentally changed into something different. something way better. Um, it's alive. It's a new creation inside us. Where there was death, there's life now. And that's not just like a, it's not like the two are at war. It's like that is who we are in Jesus. That's what regeneration is. So, <laughs> maybe some of you are like, I'm not even sure about that as I'm saying it. May I just venture to say that that's the very first place the devil will lie to you every time you mess up. You're not a new creation. Look what you did. But what Jesus is saying is the old things has gone. The new things have come. That doesn't mean there won't be struggle because remember it's about we're being crucified to the world. It's a a slow process, slow painful. But he's saying that the fundamental change in your identity, who you are, is already brand new. And that's really important for us to remember because it, it just is so, it's so hard to grasp. You know, It's so easy for us to think about, as we know the Bible talks about what the heart is like apart from Jesus. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Nobody even understands it. But what the promise is throughout Scripture is that God takes out the old heart and puts a new heart in. And, boy, I I just want to pause there for a second and say, do you believe it? Do you believe that you have a new heart? I want to just ask the Holy Spirit, would you help us believe? And let us walk in the reality of new creation in Christ. So new, new creation is your birthright, guys. It's your inheritance as, as the sons of the children of light. And um, that, just to, to believe and walk in that is a huge part of just the battle that we all face. 
but we'll never uh, face it the right way if we don't, if we like keep it all focused inward. Like you could try to motivate yourself over and over and like you can speak all the promises, which by the way you should do just like David did in the Psalms, speak to your own soul and tell it what's true. Don't be, you know, why are you downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. I will praise him again. You know, say that kind of stuff to yourself. You have the authority to tell your soul to fall in line when it's lying to you. Um, Where was I going with that? Oh, so you can, you can, but you can, like, say those things over and over to yourself and just try to, like, psych yourself up and live your own good life. But the whole thing about the new creation is that it's, like we said, not just freedom from something, but it's freedom for something. So you can never walk in the full freedom that Jesus wants to express in your life if you won't also accept the mission and the ministry that comes with the new creation. Listen to the rest of that part in 2 Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, he's new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Do we, man. Let me come back to that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting men's sins against them. The church loves to count people's sins against them. Why? Jesus is saying that he came for the the message is that in his cross, we don't have to have our sins counted against us anymore. Man, do you guys know that you have that ministry of not counting people's sins against them? Jesus said that to Peter when he was giving him the keys of the kingdom, he said the people that you forgive are on earth are forgiven. Man, let's not make the church be about holding people's sins against them. Let's offer people the good news of the of the offense of the cross. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And uh man, if there was ever a time when we need reconciliation around here, I think this is it. The I mean there's so much division, there's so much just like hatred and anger flowing around. The church's ministry of reconciliation is vital. It hasn't been given to anyone else. No one is going to do it for us. We need a church that will pick up the ministry of reconciliation with people. We need to help people be reconciled to God. And, you know, without going too far into it, whatever whoever you voted for or didn't vote for, the people that call themselves Jesus' Jesus's people overwhelmingly voted in one direction that will cause people to lump us as the church in with what they think about that direction. It's a time more than ever where we have to boast only in Christ. 
Otherwise, we have nothing to say. If the church is preaching, if the, if the people that are supposed to have the message of reconciliation are preaching division, then the, the ministry of reconciliation won't go forward in the world. There's not a plan B that Jesus has introduced. It's we are plan A and the only plan. More than ever, it's a time to listen to people, hear their thoughts and fears, and let them know that Jesus cares about them because it's not anything about them either. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. And he's given us this amazing opportunity to help people be reconciled to himself. Whether we have to get through a little extra baggage in this season of people not expecting us to bring that message, we just need to be aware of that and be all the more the faith expressing itself through love. That's a new creation, faith expressing itself through love. Okay, so that was heavy, and I spent a little time, more time there than I meant to, but I really feel like it's important. Um, the last part of a life of freedom that Paul is describing is, is just about walking in grace. I almost said resting in grace, but again, there's a mission to it. There's a, a walking, a movement. You know, it's not just about us feeling good in our own hearts. It's about taking the ministry, the resurrection life of Jesus to the people around us. So as we, as we walk in grace, you know, walking is, is not hard. You know, it takes a little bit to, for us to learn it. Like my son is just learning it right now. But... As we get it, it's just one foot in front of the other. Oh, this, this step is freedom from performance. Oh, man, I don't have to perform for anybody. It's all about Jesus. This step is freedom from sin. Oh, I'm not held down by the weight of sin that used to hold me down. And the next step is freedom for ministry, freedom for mission. And it's like, it's just as easy as walking. Like each step, let us like step more into those things. We're free from having to perform. We're free from sin. We're free for the purpose of bringing God's love, faith expressing itself through love to our community. And that's all grace. You know, it doesn't come from us. Grace just means gift in the original language. It's just all a gift. You hear that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, Paul said. It's just a gift. And then in in Galatians, he ends with, you know, putting a blessing of grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Because that's what a life lived in wholeness looks like. If the grace of God is on our spirit, we'll extend that grace to other people. We won't put up any other barriers. We'll let the message of the cross do what it is meant to do. And the Holy Spirit will speak through it and change hearts through the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony.
All right, let's stand together, guys.